I want us to just read Ephesians 5 and see if we can find out what it means to be spirit-filled. I wanted to do Romans 8 and and show you seven distinct ministries that happen to every believer in Romans 8. Uh, But we'll do this. Look at verse 15. Be very careful then how you live. Ephesians 5, 15. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Greek, stop getting drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, I command you, let yourselves continually be filled with the Spirit moment by moment. And there's five things that will happen automatically when this is going on. And he does this by means of five participles, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's a clear evidence that someone is being controlled by the Spirit, what they speak about. Singing and making music, both, in your hearts to the Lord. Now, that's interesting. Music is a great part of Spirit filling's manifestation. Singing, making music, and for some of you, uh, we'll go on. Uh, always, the fourth thing, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. That, that is an amazing thing. I went to the side of uh, a family member uh, Friday whose son had just taken his life, but always giving thanks. That's where he was. I, I can't understand it but I know God's good. And uh, then submitting to one another out of reverence. We know five evident marks of spirit fillings work in a life. Singing, speaking to one another, making music, giving thanks, submitting. Five participles. That's that's just what goes on in someone being under the control. So you, uh, you see why I'm suspicious of believers that never sing. This goes on in the heart, not, not a grunt. There's a, there's a song in the heart. It didn't say anything about you being Pavarotti. It just said, in some way, the Spirit of God produces some kind of uh, melody in the heart that gets out some way. So, uh, the thing I want us to consider is this word, uh, be filled with the Spirit. Now, what's interesting about this word, be filled with the Spirit, it goes this way. Be filled by the instrumentality of the Spirit. It's probably instrumental. That the content of the filling is not spelled out. It's not getting filled with the Spirit. How much of the Spirit can you have? Did you get all the Spirit when you were saved? Yeah. Yeah, You didn't get a leg of him. You got all of him. He's a person. He's not wheat. He's not liquid. He's a person. And you get all of a person or you don't. But why be filled? Why do you need the Spirit to fill you? And uh, I think, go back to chapter 1, where the word fill had been, has been used. And then we'll take a little journey on concepts of Spirit filling. Look at what he says. He prays for the church in chapter 1. Verse 18, 
I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Do you think there are any Christians who do not know the hope to which they've been called? Paul knew there was. I'm praying for you. It's a terrible thing to be ignorant about what you got in Christ. So he's praying that you can know. If you could just get enlightened, you'd have hope. Then the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, I wish you knew that, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. Then he goes down to verse 22, and God placed all things under his feet, appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fulfills everything in every way. So he's praying that you know God's power, in your ignorance that you know the hope, that you know the riches. You're not, you don't necessarily get it. I'm interceding for you. Paul doesn't waste prayer, and God doesn't let it be inscripturated if it's not something we need to be praying about. Now, chapter 3, he says, another prayer. Verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. I'm praying this will happen to you. You mean there's Christians not being strengthened? Must be on some level. Some level. I'm praying you'll be strengthened through his spirit in your inner being. And when this happens, Christ will settle down and feel at home in your hearts through faith. Turn with me to Colossians and see a parallel passage but he doesn't use the word spirit. Look at Colossians 3. That's not collisions, that's Colossians. Uh, 3.15. Let the peace of God arbitrate in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now watch what this happens. When Christ is filling your heart and feeling at home in you, notice the overflow. He'll teach you, admonish one another. You'll be singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. You'll be giving thanks in your heart. You'll be doing all your activity to the glory of God. It's almost another manifestation of what spirit-filling, spirit-filling its goal is to make Christ fill your heart, is to make Christ at home in your heart so that you might have the fullness of Christ being lived out, that you might know the riches you have in him, you might know the power that worked in him will be at work in you. So to be filled in Ephesians 5, 18, is the Spirit is filling you as an instrument but he fills us primarily with the fullness of Christ in all of his character, in all of his glory. That's what he fills you with, because it doesn't tell us the content in 5.18. It's instrumental. Be filled by means of the Spirit. Well, what will I be filled with? You'll be filled with this understanding of the glories 
of Christ, power in Christ, riches in Christ, your hope, and you get filled with Christ in every aspect. Now, let's take a little journey. Let me tell you about this word filling. It was a word that uh, in the book of Acts, it was a word playful filling, and it meant to uh, flood you, as it were, to permeate the mind. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, Acts 2.4. Now, the word is filled, but they never were filled once and for all, because in Acts 4, he fills them again. In Acts 9, he fills again. In Acts 10 and 11, he fills again. In Acts 13, he fills again. Spirit filling is not a once-for-all work. It's repeatable. It happens over and over and over. And what's interesting about spirit filling is there are degrees of filling and what we call revival or different outstanding servants, it may just be a greater degree of filling. You can never have more of the Spirit, but you can have greater degrees of filling, greater degrees of his control in the life. That's why he said pray for the Spirit. We'll deal more with that probably tonight. But in Acts, you've got a word for filling that we don't see when we come to the epistles. In the epistles, he uses a word to be filled with the Spirit, and let me give you uh, the definition. Here's the, these are Greek lexicons, dictionaries. This is give you some de definitions. It means to fill up what is incomplete. To fill up what is incomplete, okay? Uh, it's used of taking full possession of the heart. Grief filled their heart, John 16, 6. Uh, why has Satan filled your heart, Peter? Takes control of the heart. It influences exactly what he does so that he lies to the Holy Spirit. Uh, a key word, here's a key word. You want to get this down. Spirit filling means to fill up a deficiency. To fill up a deficiency. And it's used that way in Philippians 4.18. Everything that I lacked, you supplied when you sent me a gift. It was used of a, a, an offering, a material gift. I lacked what I needed in resources. You Philippians sent me a love offering, and you filled what was lacking. You filled up my deficiency. Now, keep that in mind. There are so many things about you that are deficient in the character of Christ, that only the Spirit can fill it up. Christ-like deficiencies. I could already tell you the ones my wife has named for me. I mean, really, she's got them labeled. Oh, there you go. And then I, I don't, I've asked her to be absent from the services today, so she won't say, you're not Spirit-controlled, because I want to smack her. Patience is the big one. My wife's gate, she wakes up about nine on the eighth cup of coffee. And her brother lives with us. We both know we'll always have to wait a little bit, but she's getting faster. But we've had more spats over me being in the car 
waiting for her to change a dirty diaper. Why did that even happen when I'm going to preach? How could this interrupt the man of God's schedule? A dirty diaper. Come on. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. So, see, we have these battles. Some of you, you're not known for patience. Some of you are bossy. Uh, you're not gentle. Well, let's, let's not make us all feel. We all have got deficiencies. And if you don't, if you just think that, before the day's over, God's going to show you one. You get a quick education. Because every time I think I've got it all down, I, the deficiencies start popping out everywhere. We all live with deficiencies. And I'm going to show you the ones he's going to go after to fill in you. Uh, but the idea is to fill up what is lacking in me. And so to come under the control of the Spirit, what is the greatest thing lacking in most of us is the character of Christ. His character and what comes with that character is singing about him, speaking about him, giving thanks for him, uh, submitting to his will, being available so that he's talking to a group of believers that he's named where they're very insufficient. Watch, look what he deals with. Right before he gets to 518, all the uh, incomplete parts of their Christian life. How would you like to pastor such a church? Let's start at verse 26, Ephesians 4. Um, and these are Greek tenses. Stop doing what you're doing. Uh, verse 26, stop sinning. Stop sinning. That's not bad. Uh, do I ever sin? Why did I sin? In, insufficient control. Uh, the deficiency in your character was not, you didn't allow the Spirit to fill it up so that you had a biblical response. Two, stop getting mad. Stop getting mad. You know, we say today, you need to take an anger management course. Paul would say, you need to get under the control of the Spirit. Holy Spirit knows how to control anger, doesn't he? And if you're taking the class, stay in there, but do it with the Holy Spirit because they'll just show you more reasons why of things you can't do anyway. It's terrible to command a dead man to do something. If I'm already in chains, don't command me to do a bunch of stuff. I don't have the power. This is, see, the Spirit is the gift of Christ in the gospel. You, when you get Christ, you get the Spirit. But it's interesting. This is the only work of the Spirit. All other works of the Spirit are automatic. He convicted you. He regenerated you. He baptized you in the body of Christ. He sealed you. Uh, all those other works of the Spirit, done. Fact. This is the only work. He said, you make it your business. You make it the goal of your life that I will have my deficiencies filled up by relying and letting the Spirit of God fill me. If you're not Spirit-controlled, you're in sin. There's no excuse. There's no neutral ground. You, if you're not under the Spirit's control, you're doing something to offend him. Many a church, they wouldn't know what to do if the Spirit ran the meeting. They're so used to program 12 o'clock dismissal 
and nothing happened. The, the miracle is they stayed awake. What would your life look like if the Spirit was filling you? What would a Spirit-filled church look like? It's interesting. Acts 2.4, they were filled with the Spirit. They all spoke in tongues. Acts 9, Paul's filled with the Spirit. Nothing happened. He just, his blindness went away. So it's more than just gifts. It's filling up the lack of Christ in our life, in our church. So he goes on. Stop allowing yourself to go to bed mad, verse 26. 27, stop giving place to the devil. He's just he's right here. Before he ever gets to the five, and stop giving place to the devil. Stop stealing. Young believers, he's having to tell them to cut this out. He's teaching them biblical ethics. Uh, 29, stop unwholesome, rotten speech. And, and notice what he's going to get to in chapter 5. He's going to tell your mouth what to do. Speak, sing, make music, give thanks. Change the content for which your mouth is used. Stop all the bad mouth. Gossip, cussing, ripping people up. Stop it! You're deficient in the character of Christ. He's got a different vocabulary and a different use for your mouth than tearing people down. He wants to fill that deficiency in your character. And we love to run people down because we don't have to improve. That's right. When I go through the uh, uh, paying for the groceries, I just find out Michael Douglas is falling apart and eight other marriages are falling apart and, and Brad is cheating on so It just keeps you updated, you know. It just, it, I don't know, it just feels you. Man, my marriage is pretty good. We love negative talk about other people. It's in, inherent in our nature. And he says, stop it, stop it. He goes uh, down here in verse 11, chapter 5. Stop fellowshipping with uh, evil, the deeds of darkness. Uh, verse 18, stop getting drunk. Well, well what? I, I, I just am weak in these areas. I just want to do I know you're deficient. I'm commanding you to start letting yourselves be controlled by the Spirit moment by moment. That is a character change he does deep inside, and you do it by crying for help. You do it for relying on him and saying, I am not showing Christ. Christ is not at home with me when I'm doing these sins. Christ is not being seen in me. Christ is not getting his proper uh, response in saving me. I must have divine help. That's why he said, I'll send you another helper. The Spirit of God will glorify me and make me look great and magnificent. If people cannot see Christ in you, it's because you're not letting the Spirit of God fill you, and you're not letting the Spirit of God fill you because there's sin somewhere in your life. Because when he's hindered, he cannot do his work of making Christ glorious in all areas of your thinking and behavior. Now, another uh, concept uh, that comes along with this uh, is 
when we're spirit-filled, what are we supposed to do with spirit-filling? Uh, sit around and tell everybody we're spiritual? Is that the goal? No. Uh, we are to be a follower of the Spirit. We're followers of the Spirit. And look at how this is illustrated in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3. We're just having a little Bible study. Is that okay? Says, uh, Galatians 3. Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Wow. We ought to write that to every church conference, church leaders, church workers. Did you begin in the Spirit, but now you're continuing by the grunt in the flesh? You're just going, you've kicked onto your energy now. I'll make this thing work. No, as you begin in the Spirit, you're to continue, but you're going back to the law. You're letting these Judaizers get you back under Moses, and, and that's a work system, and the best the flesh can do, and his disturbance with them makes him pray for them in chapter 419, and this was his concern in 419. Look at what it says. Uh, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until... Christ is formed in you. Wait, wait, wait. I thought these people were saved. Are they saved? Let me say this. He wouldn't call them dear children of his if they weren't saved. So can you be saved? Why is he going through childbirth again with the same baby? I went through travail to see you come to faith and born again, now I'm over here seeing such a lack of Christ evident in you that I'm in another travail of spirit, and I'm travailing because I'm longing that Christ be formed in you. Now let me tell you about this word form. Form is the word morphe. And they had two words in this arena, morphe and schema. Schema was external appearance, external, uh, the scheme of things, the external working out. But morphe was a word that Christ, though he were in the form of God, this is the word morphe, and it means to inherently be what you're acting to be. That you are inherently this thing, and then you act it out. Christ was in the form of God, in the exact substance, the exact person of God, and then he acted like God because he was God. Now, I'm praying that Christ be more faith in you. The goal of all the events in your life is to conform you to the image of Christ, to get you where you look like Christ, think like Christ, Walk where Christ walked. And he said, this isn't happening in you, and I'm in travail that I see no Christ in you. You claim to know him, and I think that you are children of God. I was there. I led you to the Lord, perhaps, he could have been thinking. 
Perhaps you are believers, but hey, let's get beyond saying I went to a Billy Graham crusade or I raised my hand in junior church 20 years ago. Where is Christ displayed in you because he's in you, he's controlling your inner man so that you act him out. I am prevailing that this Christ will be put in display in your life. How can this happen? How can this ever happen that they would be changed? Well, I believe his answer is 516. So I say, Walk by means of the instrumentality of the Spirit. If you'll start relying on the Holy Spirit and walk and live your life in the path of the Spirit, you will be delivered from carrying out sinful practices and you will be led to start living out Christ in your life. Now, uh, if, if I follow Christ uh, and I let the Spirit fill me, uh, what will you do? I'll deliver you from all the relational sins that I mentioned. Hatred, envy, discord, jealousy. Sounds like some church's board meeting or their business meeting. Selfish ambition. Egomaniacs dissension, always growling about something. Uh, nothing's right until they growl. Uh, envy, drunkenness, orgies, sex parties with drugs and booze. That's what we have. I'll deliver you from immorality. There's not enough strength to be pure. Not in yourself. There never has been. You'll have to rely and let the Spirit fill up what you're deficient in. I lack self-control. I lack a pure mind. I lack getting along with people. Guess what? What The Spirit doesn't lack it. He needs to fill you up and get rid of that cantankerous spirit in you that does not show off Christ. Christ is not cantankerous. Christ is not ugly. Christ is not rude. Christ is marvelous. Why don't people think we are? They don't see him. If they can't see him, they're judging us by what we're putting out. And he says, I want him to be formed in you. Walk in the Spirit, and the Spirit will fill up your deficiencies so that you will not be an instrument of these works of the flesh. And on the positive side, You'll begin to walk in your life in this ninefold description, not the end of it, but you'll walk in things that are characterized by love and joy and peace. You'll be gentle, self-control. You're walking by means of the Spirit, and so he produces that character in you. Something else he does, he supplies the strength for your service and your spiritual gift. And 1 Peter 4.11 says, we serve in the strength God supplies. Now, isn't that beautiful? God supplies the strength to do his will in service. If you're in the will of God, 
you'll understand you're having a divine supply to do what you do. You can't do it in your own strength. He doesn't want it. He already says, without me, you can do nothing. Well, well, what can I do then? Let me rely on me. I'll supply the strength for your manifestation in the body, whatever I gift, I give you, whatever service I'm going to render through you, I've already planned works for you from the foundation of the world. The Spirit is the only means by which you can do it. We cannot be run by the flesh or human energy or a bunch of super uh, Wall Street ideas. We're run by the power of a raised Christ by means of the Spirit. He's got to see it in your personal life and then in our church life. I mean, the worst thing I could think of is getting a bunch of flesh down here and pool all of our ideas, and nobody had the energy to do it anyway. We need power. We need energy. How many of you would build a church out of 11 losers that show up in an upper room? These guys are going to be your future elders. Peter? How many would vote for him on the day of Pentecost? Hey, he just bailed out on Christ 50 days ago. He didn't have my vote. You bail out? Thomas, forget it. You don't think we can do anything. Brother Doubting Thomas. I mean, James and John, first meeting doesn't go their way. God, strike them with fire. No, no, no. God's uh, wisdom and seemingly stupidity is manifested in the men he chose to build the church on. You know what made the difference? They were filled with the Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God boldly, and they perceived that they had been with Christ. Christ was on display. They counted not their life to be dear to them. They were willing to be spent and be spilled out because they were operating under new power, under new management. That's what some of you are not realizing, and you think the Christian life is the kind you're living, and it's a 1,000 miles from it. You've only got a taste. You never let him control you so that people are accusing you of looking like Christ. Can people say, I see Christ when I see you? Well, he goes on in Galatians 5. Uh, you'll have this fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of the Spirit's life working in you is very obvious here. But then he goes down and he says something uh, in 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Uh, uh, let me show you how that's used in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, 18, just uh, a use. It says, uh, I urged Titus to go to you, and I sent our brother with him. Titus did not exploit you, did he? Did we not act in the same spirit and follow the same steps? NIV puts course, but it's the same steps. And it's the idea when you're walking in the spirit, you step where he steps. And this means it's a life of obedience. It's a life of uh, someone else is in charge. And I give him permission. And I'm walking under his control, I'm at, walking in the direction he wants me to go. Um, 
I'm not controlled by the flesh. I don't know any place in the New Testament that believers are ever said to be indwelt with something more powerful than the Holy Spirit. And I'll hear people say, well, you don't know my sin nature. You don't know. I'm saying, no, no, you don't know his power. Christianity, if God saved you and gave you no power within to change your behavior, he's torturing us. He's asking us to be what we can't be. He's asking us to love what we can't love. He's asking, no, 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 with the gospel, Bless his name came the Holy Spirit. And conservatives, you need to get over. Francis Chan just wrote a book called The Forgotten God. And it was his book on conservatives who forgot there is a Holy Spirit. Because they're always too busy trying to be sure we're not charismatic or Pentecostal. Or they're, always, they're always reacting against something. Forget there's any, anybody out there. How full of God are you? Is there any power in the Christian life? Is there enough power to see the sick heal, to see the chains of drunkenness broken, drugs to drop? Is there any, you know, we can say that about drug addicts, but when will your disposition change? When will you quit being so proud and haughty? Why, why are we unfriendly? In the, why is the church ever accused of being unfriendly, unwarmed? Uh, is this a warm church? Let's say, are you a warm person? I don't mean blood. You still got a body temperature. I'm talking about some kind of shake hands. Hi. Hey. Do you know the Lord? Yeah, I know him. I'm really enthused about it, but I do. <laughs> See, it's very interesting uh, I must quit because we're going to have a song and pray with you, is that during the Wesley era, when John Wesley, who was a graduate of Oxford and grew up in the Anglican home of his father and mother, Anglican Christians, the great, great blight on an English, English proper church that William Wilberforce was warned against, as well as John Newton, they had come in contact with the Methodists. And the Methodists had a disease. This was the disease. And this was the warning. Hear it now. They warned, they warned Wilberforce, if you run with any of these Methodists, you will never get elected to Parliament. You may have, he went to some of their meetings. He heard some of their great preachers. But you must distance yourself. You cannot sit as a member of Parliament and be associated with the Methodists. John Newton, same. He almost became a Methodist, but they kept him in the Church of England because the Methodists had a disease. And the disease was called enthusiasm. That's what they called it, enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. We call it emotionalism. We're for emotion. We're not for emotionalism. What does that mean? I hope you haven't lost your emotion, especially in your love life. You can smile when you kiss her. It might help. But why divorce any emotion?
from the church life. And by the way, all this walk of the Spirit, joy, is that an emotion? Oh, I just wanted to know. We all want peace. Is love an emotion? It's also a choice. But those men, as Wesley gave his testimony, I'm reading his biography now, he said, all I want is knowledge to become heartfelt. All I want is abstract theology that I grew up with at Oxford, and I saw men that did not know God, full of degrees in theology. I'm just simply saying God wants Christ to feel at home in you, and you want to feel like a divine person is living at the core of your being, and the Spirit of God is filling you with the fullness of everything that's about Jesus. For as the Spirit fills you, Jesus will permeate you. You'll want to be like him. You'll want to do what he commands you. He'll become preeminent in your life. And so we desperately are in need in these days and times, as always, to be people energized by another power. I command you, continuously be getting yourselves filled up by means of the Spirit who will fill all your deficiencies that's making you angry, sin, stealing, grieving the Spirit. He will deliver you because of these deficiencies in your character. And as he does that, he will lead you in a path that will fill you up as he's delivering you from the downward bent of sin. He will be producing divine products that replicate Christ in your character. The world needs to see Jesus, and he only sees it through a spirit-filled Christian and a spirit-filled church. We desperately need people crying out. That's why he said in Luke 11, if God can give good gifts, if good, bad men can give good things to their children, how much your father can give the spirit to them who ask. Now, now, I went to a seminary that says that prayer's never been answered because the Spirit came on Pentecost, not because the disciples prayed, but because Christ prayed. And that's true. So they have no place for Luke 11 today. But I ask this. Are there degree, greater degrees of the Spirit's control that he wants to manifest in you? that you've not even asked. I find the people that I call the most spiritual and the most powerful are the people who ask for it all the time. And the others are just smug. I got it all. Don't bother me. They lack hunger. They lack thirst. They're used to being powerless. They're used to being ineffective. And just as long as they're going to heaven, who cares if I really manifest Christ? And so... Christ doesn't permeate. You don't see Jesus in them. Oh, they're saved. Christ is there, but Christ hasn't been formed so that he's seen. So tonight, when we come back, I want to continue talking about the Spirit, and we're going to have a Q&A. You want to talk to me about the baptism? You want to talk about tongues? You want to talk about anything? Basically, it's the Spirit of God controlling me. And uh, are you hungry for more than what you're experiencing? Are you hungry for more? And is that a bad thing? Does that say I'm not really saved? I didn't get it all? Well, 
Paul didn't think so. I'm praying for you that you could comprehend the power, the riches, and the might that God manifested in Christ that he wants to manifest in us. A resurrected Christ lives in his people, and he wants to be on full display. The church has its power, not from PG&E, but from the upper room, the Holy Spirit. We have power if we'll only appropriate it by asking for divine help and saying, do it. Do through me what I could never do in myself. 